Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Fallon. Thanks for downloading this time what it's like being freelance for scriptwriter Tim Clegg. The side projects aren't bits of fluff. It, it's about investment in the business. If you were a Hoover manufacturer, you wouldn't call inventing new Hoovers a side project. It's what you do. I'm a filmmaker and a storyteller, so making new stories, getting them out there and getting them in front of the public is what I am about. So here we are, third episode of season two. Find out all the details at beingfreelance.com. On the website now, you can filter the guests because there's so many now you can filter them by jobs but also through topics so let's say you want to find out lots about networking or marketing you can do that by taking a look at beingfreelance.com is there's filter options just before you see everybody's pictures but like i always say i mean obviously it's useful listening to people who do the same job as you but equally don't dismiss the people who don't do the same job as you because ultimately we're all freelancers and we're all going through very very similar things you keep finding that uh, it's it's really worth hearing other people's experiences even if they're not doing the same particular job as you anyway let's crack on and go to dorset's to scriptwriter tim clegg hey tim hello there hello let's start by talking about how you got started being freelance so i don't know what, what you did at uni how you got into it that kind of thing yeah, so uh, I was at uni. Yeah, I was. I was at Bournemouth um, University, where I live now, again. I moved away for a couple of years, but then I've lived here for the last uh, 15 years or so. So I'm 40 now. Yeah, I went to Bournemouth University. I did media production. And I still do all types of media. So um, you're right, I am a script writer, but... I'm also a filmmaker and editor and, you know, all kinds of... Everything to do with the moving image, really. And so when I left, really needed to just get a job. So I worked at the local college for a bit. And then I left there and I worked um, at a training company, you know, doing the videos and that kind of stuff. And I did that for quite a while. And then when things kind of got a bit slow there, there was a bit of a downsize. I moved to doing a few days a week there. So in that way, I thought it was quite good because it eased me into the freelance world. Mm. And it could be a way that other people could use. So those concerns of a freelancer like, well, I might not earn anything for a little while or I don't know anyone in this business, those were kind of easy transition for me because I had kind of, you know, one foot in a place where I was making contacts and also earning a little bit of money and then I could do my own work, choosing my own way forward and uh, using the techniques that I wanted to explore and having that ownership and also that creativity in it, with my other foot, if you like. So I, I, I think that that can be quite a good way forward rather than the all or nothing method that um, perhaps other people use. And when you went semi-freelance, what were you doing? Because it sounds like you've got that multi-skill background. Yeah, but that was good, Steve, because I could do some editing, helping out other people, but I could also do a full service, if you see what I mean. So one of my clients that um, I still do work with today, and one of my first ones back when I was just starting out in that uh, freelance way, is a local uh, games company to me. And I do, and they know I've got an interest and I've actually worked in the games industry too, again, as a sort of freelance. So I do a lot of their videos. So that could be 
bit of filming and sort of a promotional piece behind the scenes kind of thing or it could be editing up their trailer but they know that I know what I'm doing whatever it is so I'm not going in there to try and flog them a certain thing that I do I'll do whatever it is that they that they need uh, and that would be the most effective because I can do you know whatever is required so that range I think um, means I'm not pigeonholed now I've equally met people that say the other way around, which is like having that deep specialism um, means that you become the go-to guy. But I see myself as more, uh, it's like a T-shape. So you've got one or two things maybe that you're an expert in, but you've got that broader uh, awareness or knowledge across the whole of the industry. I think that's the way forward. Yeah, do you know, that's interesting because it sounds very similar to me in in many ways in that, I do. I don't like to use the jack of all trades thing because that's the derogatory way of it. But mm. I like to do lots of different sides of media production: the script writing, uh, the actual editing, uh, putting together animations, voiceover, whatever it is. And yeah. I know I could niche and just do one of those things, but I quite enjoy the variety of not just doing one. You know, other than that, yeah, the, that's the, right. I mean, no, no one, no one says to Clint Eastwood, he's a jack of all trades because he's an actor and a director and a producer. <laughs> Do, do you know what I mean? He's Clint, and he's the best at being Clint. And um, I think that's how we could see it. It's only if we choose. It's how we choose to pigeonhole things. No one cares anyway. Uh, people obsess about these things. No one cares. They know you for what you do. I mean, all freelancers will have the trouble of perhaps one. You know, each client only really knowing them for one thing instead of all the other things they could do. Uh, that's the same all the way up to the biggest business in the world, really, you know, that, that they'll be doing the payroll software or something, but they also do HR or whatever it is. Um, so this isn't a new thing or a thing that beginners only face. This is a thing that all people uh, that are working face. I think, yeah, that kind of broad encompassing thing is just whatever you choose it to be. And whatever you say it is, on your website and you spend ages debating it and what to put on your business card is completely inconsequential anyway, because people just get to know you as Steve, get to know you as Tim and they sort of like, just give Tim a call. That's what it comes down to. So I think people over analyze their own brackets and their own roles instead of maybe just cracking on with it and thinking, how can I help this person today with what I know and, you know, get them out of a scrape? That's what we should be thinking about. So you don't see it as an issue when it comes to marketing yourself? You don't pick one key thing that, you know... I've never, never had any success marketing myself. Really, I don't know what the market is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit difficult um so i mean i do what i do and other people find that useful and that's about as far as it goes i get really all my work through recommendation and by being around so what i mean by being around is a bit of networking and that kind of thing where um when people say what do you do i tell them about the things that i've done so they can then draw their own conclusion about whether that would suit them and we could explore that together, of course. But I find there's too many people that go around saying, I'm A, whatever, whereas I like to say, I've done this. And, you know, first of all, that 
means that you're a doer because you've done stuff. You're not a blagger that's talking about they want. You know, like I think it's worse in my business. So because it's a script writing thing. Oh, I'm a script writer. You know, like well, who isn't? If you see what I mean, you you know that everybody that's had a half an idea about a film calls themselves a script writer. But if I if I go in and say, you know, I've written this, I've just written this, let me tell you about what I'm writing at the minute, it, it's a better conversation opener, isn't it? Because here's someone that they can maybe do, do some work with. Or if I'm talking to another games company, I'll go, oh, I've just edited up the Lego Star Wars game trailer, you know, have a look, have a look. And so we're off, you know. So uh, that that's mm. as far as my marketing goes, really, because... Uh, I don't know really how else uh, how else to reach out to people except for going and trying to meet them, email just direct emails that kind of thing. That's all I do. So given that you do such a range of things, um, but script script writing is is what is like your headline title, I guess. How do you use side projects to get to be doing what you want to do? It seems to me, just through a bit of research, that you've been doing side projects for a long time. Ones that you creatively choose to do off your own back. Maybe it's so it's so it's your own time, your own yeah. creativity, and it might not be bringing any money at all. That's the number one thing. In a way, everything. If if you you know, let's talk about side projects. The work's a side project. <laughs> that because it's the thing stopping me from doing my own stuff. They're investments. The side projects aren't bits of fluff. It, it's about investment in the business. So if you were a Hoover manufacturer, you wouldn't call inventing new Hoovers a side project. It's what you do, you know. And so uh, I'm a filmmaker and a storyteller. So making new stories, getting them out there and getting them in front of the public is what I am about. And so I'll give you an example about how that leads on to work. So I did um, a, a, every year. I do a Christmas uh, movie um, instead of a Christmas card because I was getting quite a few e cards, you know, about fifteen years ago or something. I thought these are a bit naff, and then my uncle, who's an art like a proper, uh, you know, old school artist, um, does a lot of um, wood printing. He sort of wood printed a Christmas card and sent that out. And I thought, well, that's good. You know, he's so talented. I wish I could do that. I thought, well, hang on a minute. I'll make a movie. So I make a comedy sketch kind of movie every Christmas. Anyway, so I send this out to everyone on my email list. A guy from the BBC sees it and he's like, oh, we could do with a bit of that on the politics show, like a bit of satire. So I did a few satirical sketches, you know, for the BBC. So everything leads on to things. The only thing not to do is to sit around. Do do you know what I mean? That's the only mistake you can ever make is to be doing nothing. You know, always be doing stuff, sending it out there. If you're a graphic designer, you know, be graphic designing things. Invent a font. Let's do new things. Let's get them out there. See what people like because then you're kind of building a bit of gravity around yourself and people are drawn to you rather than you having to go out and chase work all the time, which is the nightmare, you know, situation that we don't want. How do you get away from that? Well, you do things that people go, where's that guy, you know, that did that? Let's get him in. He can help us. That's where you're trying to get to. When it comes to those sort of creative projects, then let's not call them side projects. Do you tend to collaborate? Is that a beneficial thing to do? What's, yeah. what's the process? What's the deal? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent 
uh, about collaboration. There's no doubt about that. I'm sure other people have said that freelancing, one of the downsides is a sort of isolation, you know. Uh, It doesn't have to be that way, of course. Um, It's only if we choose it to be that way. I think, yeah, definitely always working together with people, sharing the risk, sharing the financial risk and and sharing the rewards. Uh, You know, it seems like, you know, those are a positive thing and a negative thing. You're sharing the risk, that's good, but you've got to share the glory, guy, that's bad. No, because sharing the, sharing the success is more fun with someone else. You know, <laughs> you can't pat yourself on the back without dislocating your elbow. <laughs> you know, so let's pat, pat each other on the back for like a good film that we've made or whatever it is. I've just made this children's uh, feature film, Who Killed Nelson Nutmeg, with my good good friend and podcast collaborator Danny Stack we do a podcast together as well and you know that's been e- easy in a way you know for doing the film which everyone says is always a nightmare and the reason it's been easy of course is it's been a collaboration so even on the even if I'm on the right old downer of a day Danny's still out there you know flying the flag and being positive about it and bringing me up and vice versa of course so, yeah, all, collaboration's key. It doesn't get much bigger than doing a movie. How long is that film, by the way? Who 82 us? minutes. So it's a proper feature-length film. Yeah, basically. it's a proper feature, yes. So how long does that take to put together, and how do you fit that around work, which is bringing in money there and then, if you see what I mean, to pay your bills? Yeah, I do. I do. Obviously, I see your question. Um, so it's take a, we first had the idea to do it about December twenty. 13 i suppose so and now it's on at london film festival next month so i suppose start to finish from having an idea at the kitchen table to getting on at a premiere has been about 18 months or so ish maybe a bit more 20 months or something like that which is seems like a long time for people but it's actually really really fast and again collaboration is one of the reasons why it's fast because we've got double the double the man hours going in even if it's just me and Danny which it isn't obviously um so that helped but what about yeah you kind of the paid versus unpaid balance um well you know I've been working up to this for, for, for quite a while so when we started the film we said well have we got five months income in the bank and we did and so um obviously it's taken <laughs> 20 months but you know we had that amount and that meant we didn't worry. And so once you're not worrying about something, because you know the bills are paid, you can go full on for, for your project. Uh, and obviously along the way, easily done other bits of work that are done the HSBC induction thing, you know, in the meantime, a few trailers, other bits of work, you know, easily fit, fit those in around it. But... Um, I wasn't worrying about it. In fact, I think a lot of people spend more time worrying about work and chasing it. And if they took that, if they could relax a little bit on that, then they could do some more amazing things that would actually draw work to them. It's, it's you, you get to a point, because I've been doing this like 10 years or something, gets to a point where you become confident that the phone will ring. One thing you mentioned there was having like the money in the bank. So it sounds like you're kind of on top of your financials. Is that, well, for a start, that might not be true, might not be the case. But um, I'm just curious if you've been freelancing for 10 years, how you've got to that point, what you, what lessons you may have learned along the way, because it can be tricky. 
Well, I think uh, when you're doing your sums uh, to decide what amount of freelancing you could do, you should do, and so on, I think uh, not enough people really examine the cost of normal full-time employed work. It's quite costly. Um, so you've got to travel every day. You know, some people's uh, travel costs are like 20% of their salary. You've also got to live somewhere where you can get to work five days a week. So you may be in a more expensive area to live, maybe taking 50% of your salary. So you're spending 70% on your salary to get your salary. It's a bit like this is crazy. So, in fact, it was reducing costs uh, that I think made the biggest impact uh, to me. So I can live quite cheaply now, uh, not in a hermit way, but do you know what I mean? Less than someone. I need less money each month than someone in full time work. It's a bit weird. It seems back to front. But I think that that is I think that that's true. Um, You know, there's big costs, you know, even just like, you know, lunches and stuff you know going out to to prep every lunchtime or something because you work in the big smoke uh com, com, you know compared to just like knocking up something together at home it all it all adds up and it's 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 quite surprising i think that was a big surprise to me that i actually had more if i made the same money each month through freelancing i actually had more money mm. what is the biggest challenge to you of being freelance maybe it's changed over time um yeah it it, ha- it sort of has i think it's about the thing that's changed for me most is that like i say that sort of confidence to uh to get your pricing right and the confidence to get the relaxation right about you know always thinking your diary has to be full again when you're starting out you're thinking right i should be busy all the time um so you'll take any gig that comes in no matter the price to fill your diary this is that's the big mistake i think i mean there's the old joke you know oh i couldn't double my prices because i'll lose half my work well yeah of course so then you'll be just the same off financially but you'll have you know you'll have more time off but that's sort of true there's there's that you know you because again well maybe it was more for me because i used to do that full-time work you know i was a bit like well freelance is just full-time work for yourself so, of course, I'm, like, trying to be busy all the time. And then if I've got a week where I haven't got a job on, I'd spend all that week trying to get a job on, at which point it would come in. But, but the week after, I've already got something, so I'd be turning it down. Do, do you know what I mean? It yeah. sounds comical now, but that's how it was, you know. And uh, I think just kind of having that confidence to go, well, I've got a week. Thank goodness I've got a week before the next bit of paid work so what i can do is get on with some of the things that i want to do and maybe try some new techniques or maybe learn some new skills uh, always got to be learning the course and in, and enjoy that and then actually what would happen is someone will probably get in touch on thursday or something and i'll be disappointed because i'll be a bit like oh i was having a good time doing this now i've got a <laughs> reply about this bit of work <laughs> you know what i mean the key thing to understand going in with with money is you know what is your bottom line that you need each month you know understand that really look at that have a think about that is that achievable at all um because if you can't see any way that you could ever make that a month from doing your work at your prices something's not right you know just like fundamentally flawed in what you're doing you might not be ready for it yet perhaps you might not be ready to charge enough 
per hour or whatever to get that money in there's something that's not adding up so i think you've got to not fool yourself you must look at those figures carefully and let's be honest about it because otherwise you're just going to cycle down into feeling that you're not getting it working and you're going to be hard on yourself and put yourself off from enjoying it so i always do this thing where i ask you to tell me three facts about yourself make two true one a lie And let me figure out the lie. Okay, good. Right. So Jonathan Ross once kicked me. <laughs> I, I was on a poster for HSBC and saw it got smashed up in the London riots. <laughs> I had the seventh ever video podcast on iTunes. Wow. Okay. So what were you doing on the HSBC poster? Well, they, I've been working with them for many years. Yeah. Um, so the induction thing's just the latest thing. Um, and when you're, you know, filming stuff going on, pr- promotional things, of course, you're just someone that's standing around. So someone didn't turn up from the agency to be, you know, just like <laughs> stupid customer, you know, like stupid customer getting a mortgage. They're like, well, your middle age look quite smart. <laughs> so they're like, stand, stand there and then we'll Photoshop shop you out later put someone else in but just no one no one bothered <laughs> it caused it caused a bit of a hassle because i had to sign all these bits and bobs you know retroactively to be in it then the lawyers got all worried but like i didn't care because they're clients i'm not going to annoy them am i but then one but, day you're watching the news and you see yourself being yeah well you know like it's in the window you know like Mortgage is here, you know, and uh, there's some not hitting the poster, but you know, he's smashing the glass. I'm like, that's my face. What are you doing? <laughs> um, why did Jonathan Ross kick you? Okay, so um, this was back when Jonathan Ross did the BAFTAs. A short film I did, you know, f- quite a few years ago, was nominated for a BAFTA, so I was there. And um, yeah, I'm just sort of walking walking along but he's not looking where he's going he's tall he's tall guy and i'm i'm wandering around starstruck and he's wandering about being jonathan ross the fool kind of kind of thing uh so somehow his foot ends up going halfway up my chin <laughs> I'm like, oh! but he doesn't know what's going on he thinks i'm just mucking about <laughs> so he just kind of want he just sort of laughs a bit and wanders off i'm like i'm a cripple here <laughs> Anyway, that's him. And what was the video podcast? Uh, the video podcast was like um, a series of uh, short films about love. I'd made them anyway, and um, I thought, uh, how could I get these out there? And then I saw they were doing it, like um, they're going to accept video files through iTunes. So I was like, well, I'll just put, I'll just uh, put put them in for that. But I lucked out because somehow when I put, you know, put the feed in or whatever, it was just at the right, just at the right time. So it come up straight away, right at the top. I was like, oh, this is, that's a bit of luck. But because it was so new, no one really watched it because they didn't, <laughs> they didn't know it was there. <laughs> oh, God, these are all so utterly believable. Um, Jonathan Ross kicked you. HS, I so want the HSBC riot poster to be true. I'm going to say that Jonathan Ross hasn't kicked you? No. Sorry, Steve. Wrong. It's the HSBC thing. Ah! Yeah. Oh, that's such a disappointment. (laughs) I know. I was quite quite tickled with coming up with it as a story. I was quite pleased. I was quite pleased with that. 
I'm just intrigued, actually, before we sort of finish up. Um, because you do so much varied work, do you do it all as Tim Clegg or do you position yourself as a company? Or like, how how does that work? Yeah, it's, it's I, something I, I, I toy with quite a lot because I trade yeah. as Steve Folland, and yeah. but sometimes I think maybe I'm better off calling myself I don't know Follum Films or whatever. Not that, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, most of the time just as myself. So so I'm a sole trader. When it's um, the larger jobs, anyway, it would normally be through someone else. So they'll 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 put together a package of talent talented people, and then they will approach a bigger client to do that work. So that happens quite a bit anyway. So I'm a bit like, well, I don't really need to be that much. I do trade under projector films sometimes if for those kind of jobs where I would hire in a camera person and a sound person, so a small shoot, something like that, and then I'll do the edit, and then. When doing this feature film, that's the next step up, of course. And so set up a limited company for that, Nelson Nutmeg Pictures Limited, to do the film and put a, you know, a, a wrapper around it. Uh, so I've done all of it, if you see what I mean. And I think, uh, I think a sole trader gets you a long way, to be fair, before you have to jump up to the next level. And it's normally around the time that you've got to start properly employing other people or investing a lot in equipment i think up to that stage you don't really need to mm. actually there's one thing that we must give a plug to before we uh, go is who killed nelson nutmeg which is the question i'm not actually going to ask but let people maybe find out <laughs> that's right that's right i mean it's a good film um it's a family film children having an adventure and solving that mystery of who killed Nelson Nutmeg. Nelson Nutmeg's a big squirrel. <laughs> He's a mascot at a holiday park where they all go. But it's a bit of a lame holiday park in their minds because they're a little bit old for it now. These kids are like um, ten, ten, ten-ish, you know, so kind of a giant squirrels like for little kids, you know. They're not really enjoying it. But when they see Nelson get pushed off a giant cliff... Uh, they're a bit like, hang on, what's going on here? This isn't right. So it's a good old-fashioned mystery in that way, kind of Scooby-Doo in nature. Um, but, yeah, check it out, nelsonnutmeg.com. I love the trailer. People can watch the trailer. Uh, we'll put that on the webpage, actually, beingfreelance.com. Yeah. And for that matter, because of when this is going out, obviously people could be listening to this months and years down the line. Yeah. Uh, probably this is being used, you know, been dug up in 100 years' time. But... <laughs> What if they were listening right now? You could actually go and see it at the London Film Festival if you're somewhere near London uh, yeah. and you're and you're that way inclined. So it's what do you know what date it's on? It's October. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the tenth tenth of October, and then if you miss it there, yeah, then go to the website nelsonnutmeg.com because we'll keep you obviously up. You know, we we'll keep everyone up to date on on there about where the next screening will be and so on because we're trying to get it around the country a little bit. Um, with support from the BFI. And the podcast? Podcast, UK Scriptwriters uh, podcast. It's ukscriptwriters.podomatic.com. It's not just me and Danny yakking on. Like yourself, we do it with, we, we interview, you know, in, interesting scriptwriters. So it could be Chris Chibnall, for instance, was a recent one who 
uh, wrote Broadchurch, came up with the idea and wrote Broadchurch. Wow. Um, but equally, it could be Andrew Ellard, who's a script editor for lots of comedy, like Miranda and Red Dwarf and so on. So it doesn't matter what, what type of script writing you're into. We also cover games, radio. We've done everything, really. And actually, doing that podcast, has that helped you? Because you, you said all of these projects or side projects are investments uh how has that investment worked for you other than being fun it well one is fun two the guests because that's a good networking opportunity so say i would never meet chris chibnall uh except for the fact to be on the podcast and afterwards he's like that's the great best interview i've ever done because it's you know by people that know what they're talking about <laughs> um and the third thing is it's just getting your name out there so we found that when we, for instance, were crowdfunding through Kickstarter, Who Killed Nelson Nutmeg, is that we had a lot of followers and podcast listeners that were like, well, I'll give Tim and Danny a tenner, I'll give them 20 quid. You know, they'd done that podcast for years, that sort of thing. And when we were out and about, people do know us now. Mm. So it's good for, again, it's, it's almost like a marketing activity uh, going back to that question, is doing the podcast. You know, in that way, we've managed to uh, become more well-known, really, through not doing anything more, not knowing any anyone more, and not spending a lot of money, but just by spending that bit of time doing something we like doing anyway. If there's one thing you could tell to your younger self, what would it be? I think it's back to that, don't worry about having a full diary. That would be my advice. Like, you know, get your pricing right chill out a little bit and do things that draw people towards you rather than you chasing them all the time. Tim, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Yeah. You can check out beingfreelance.com. Not only can you, of course, listen to podcasts and loads of other great guests uh, from this and season one as well, but you can, but I like, sorry, it makes me laugh. I, I'm trying to be so convincing about the whole season thing, but it was blatantly that I just took the summer off and it's turned yeah. out that way. Um, so yeah, beingfreelance.com, but especially for this episode, because normally we just put the key takeaway points and stuff like that, but we will also put the trailer on there right. uh, and uh, links to uh, some of the things we've been talking about. But Tim, Great. thanks so much and all the best being freelance. Thank you. Thank you.